Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. All right. Um, praise God. Lisa Heimbach, have you already opened or closed us in prayer? Yes, I have. You have. Okay. And how about Shakara? Have you opened or closed in prayer before? No, I haven't. Would you mind opening us in prayer, please? Okay. Lord, we thank and praise you, Lord, for today, Lord. We thank and praise you, Lord, for bringing us all together, Lord. We just ask you, Lord, to just bless us, Lord, as we chat tonight, that we'll all get a deeper understanding of that which we seek understanding of. Lord, we just ask your presence to even be with us on this chat tonight. Lord, we ask you to bless all those who wanted to be on the chat that couldn't be on the chat. Lord, and just bless us, Lord, that your wisdom will overflow into our conversation tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get right on into it because we have a bunch of questions to catch up on. Um, Yeah, I couldn't make it last week. I really tried. I just felt horrible. I had the worst cold all week long, and it's finally broken up. And I went to church today and danced in service and stuff. It was awesome. And I mean, so I've got a still a teeny little bit of congestion, but, but for the most part, I'm a whole lot better. So thank you for your patience. I, I just couldn't see myself making it until 9 o'clock last week. It was just all pretty bad. Um, so praise God, I'm, you know, better on the mend. And so therefore, we're going to have two chats in a row. We'll have uh, this week and next week. And then after that, I don't know when the normally scheduled one is, but we'll figure it out. Um, but anyway, so I'm glad you guys made it to the chat tonight because I think it's typically supposed to be tomorrow, I mean, now next week. So, but let's go ahead and get started because there are a bunch of questions. Okay, I'm going to open up the first one. <clears throat> All right, this is Diane Gallup's question. Um, come on now. Okay, it opened up like three times. No, that's on. Okay, I'm sorry. Give me a second here. Oh, I know what happened. Okay, anyway, all right, here it is. Okay, Pastor Lynn, our dance team had kind of taken a break after our Easter dance. It has now been a few months, and I am now the dance leader. How would you suggest that I reintroduce the dance Team, especially since we are now on our normal summer break. We will be starting back up in September, so I do have a few months to prepare. So she's asking how, let's see, she's the new dance center, um, how does she reintroduce the dance team um, since they're on the summer break? Um, anybody have any thoughts on that? Can we get started? I could start calling people, I guess. Um, all right, let's see. How about Donna, Atira? Um, how would, what would be a good strategy 
for her to begin again back in the fall as the new dance leader, um, you know, starting up the dance team kind of fresh and new. Hi. I um, Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I unmute it myself. Um, I would probably – I have never experienced that – but I would um, start back with um, just a, a good welcome back, and, and um, I would have my vision of what I thought the Lord was giving me um, for the dance team um, for the fall. And then um, I would just begin to, um, to check in and see how their summer went, and, um, and then I would begin to enter in and praise and worship, and then I would just sit down and have a discussion on, you know, what do they anticipate um, from me as, as a dance leader and what, and what I expect and anticipate of them. So it would kind of be just like a refresher is what I would start back with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, uh, anybody else want to uh, suggest anything? How about Barbara Simpson? Um, what would be a good suggestion of uh, a good way to get started back in the fall as the new dance leader? Okay, well, what we did, uh, I usually give my children um, and youth a break about now, but we didn't take a break, and how I normally start back up. We'll start back. Usually, I, usually, what I'll have to do, I'll have to either email or or text the parents to let them know that we're getting ready to start back up for the fall. And then, usually, the first piece that we're practicing on, we're preparing for Christmas. And um, that's what we do. And um, because the children, and then during the fall, then we also go back over um, some guidelines and and get everybody back ready, and then normally we might pick a subject, um, something that, say, for instance, this year what we were, last year we did um, um, self-glorification. This year we are um, talking about um, envy and jealousy and being um, a leader, of being someone that can lead a praise dance and some people that, you know, someone that has to be, on the back, just because you're on the back does not mean that you minister less than the person that's out front leading. So we used to have a topic or something that we work on during the year mm-hmm. to, to help the girls to become good team members, good good team players. So maybe she, when she comes back, she might want to email or text the parents and have something in mind that she'd like to work on, work towards. Mm-hmm. And then go on into, go back into your normal routine. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would, uh, you know, welcome them and, and of course get them, you know, encourage them to come to the first practice, uh, you know, through email or maybe have your private Facebook page uh, for the team, and you know, send encouraging notes and you know, look forward to seeing you kind of thing. Maybe a reminder, you know, a couple of days before. Hope to see you. That kind of thing. And then, you know, like maybe go over the goals and the vision, 
um, you know, what, and, and like Katira said too, hear from them and what they kind of anticipate or what they would like. And, and um, yeah, maybe have, you know, a time of prayer and worship and, you know, not, not put a lot of pressure on that first day, but just kind of, you know, do an overview and maybe, um, you know, maybe some follow the leader worship, you know, creative worship activities and things like that. Um, so these are, these are really good. All right. Um, let me, a lot of people uh, got on the line since we started. So let me, um, those that have not said hello yet, why don't you go ahead and give me your name and let's see who's here. Hi, Robin Moore. Robin Moore. Okay. Hey. I heard Hi, Robin Moore. Hi, Hi, Taylor. Hold on just a second. Somebody Miller. Is there a, I don't think we have a Miller. No, it couldn't have been Miller. Um, Tanya Taylor. Taylor. Okay, Tanya. Arkansas. All right. All right, Tanya Taylor. There we are. And Lisa Normandia. Lisa. All right, praise God. Welcome to the call, Normandia. Okay. Um, Donna Cormier. Okay, welcome. All right. Hi, Pastor. Hi. Okay. And who else? Lenore Ray. Lenore Ray. Okay. Praise God. Let's see right here. Okay. And who else? Marcy Gomes. Marcy. Hey. Good. Hey. All right. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad we have a couple of level twos uh, in the conversation today. Um, Looking forward to level two. Who else? Christine Kovacs. Okay. Good. Praise God. Well, a lot of people on the call tonight. This is great. Okay. Maribel Davila. Oh, Maribel. Praise God. Oh, good. Another level two. Yay. Okay. Uh-huh. Anybody else? Carrie Pyer. Oh, okay. Wow, good. Welcome to the call. All right. Let's see. Anybody else? Mary Kyoko. Oh, wow. Praise God. Glad you made it, too. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Valicia McFarland. Oh, wonderful. All right. Welcome to the call. Let's see. Mark you down here. Okay. And Central Michigan. I wonder who that would be. That's Allison and Yanu present. Oh, praise God. I'm glad you made it. Awesome. All right. Did we get everybody? That's everybody. All right. Well, let's go on to, um, we might check again in another 15 minutes or so, see if there's any other new people that came on the line. Um, but let's move on because we've got a ton of questions. Um, this is Abigail Hawkins' question. <clears throat> what, are some, what are some suggestions for starting kids off with worship flags? I have a class full of energetic kids from ages 5 through 15. How do you hand them a flag and then teach them proper use of the flags while preventing them from playing swords or smacking each other with them? Basically, any suggestions or tips for how to teach the proper use of flags and dances with flags choreography to children? I have an idea. How about um, if the flags happen to be removable from the poles, um, 
maybe start with giving them the material. Or, better yet, teach them the moves and say, okay, now pretend like you have a flag in your hand and teach them the moves as if they're holding a flag. And nobody's going to smack each other or play swords. You know, they're still learning the steps. They're still learning the moves. But nobody's going to go hog wild and, you know, play, you know, swords or whatever. So um, that's just a thought, you know, just do the practice. Um, teach them about the respect of the flags and, and all that. And after you've done all the teaching, everything that needs to be taught, then at the very end of the class, make a very special presentation of the flags to them. You know, make it like I'm in, tell them the significance of the flags, how important they are, what they mean in the spiritual realm and all that. And it's not just a pretty thing and all that. But the actual presenting of giving them the flags, the handing the flags out, has to be very special, I think, you know, that they have to realize that these are cherished items. And um, so, like, you know, Mary, this is your flag that you're going to be using today. And um, hand it to them with extra special care. And then so-and-so, this is the flag you're going to be using today. (laughs) Maybe reiterate the color or something. (coughs) But just um, reemphasize to them how special they are and how important they are and that kind of thing. And maybe take the last five minutes of class and let them do the dance or whatever they learned with the actual flags. And then it's like, okay, now let's put them all back very carefully in like we, like we were, they were very special when we received them. Let's place them back in that special place um, very, very carefully and respectfully. And um, I don't know, just a thought. <laughs> so any other ideas real quick? Pastor Lynn? Yes. I taught elementary for 30 years. Uh-huh. And so I kind of know how kids are with uh-huh. things that are new and different. And what you just said was beautiful. And um, what I learned in the past is sometimes what I'd have to do is let the kids have before they really delve into it, if they can experience it on their own, and I don't mean play with it, um, but I would have to, like if I had a new exciting thing that I would do in the classroom, I would let them play with it, put the timer on for maybe about 10 minutes and let them play with it, and then start into the lesson. But Mm -hmm. um, with flags, because I know that people have made them and they are cherished, maybe you can um, get some pieces of fabric or some scarves. I've got some old scarves that I have and let them move with those and, and enjoy them for a little bit before you start the lesson. And sometimes you get them uh, connected to it and they already know the feeling of how it moves and how it works. And mm-hmm. sometimes that takes away that even later they might get goofy with them. Right. So, uh-huh. oh, so, but I would never let them use the ones that are the special ones. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this is Christine Kovac's question. Um, she says, this just happened yesterday. The, the music director wanted a specific song at worship service that the dance 
team didn't practice beforehand. It is one of the harder songs that we dance to. We have a quick practice time before Sunday church service for about 15 minutes, 15 minutes for sound checks, thinking that we would go through the whole song, my mistake, I own it. We practiced with the singers, and then the song was stopped, so we were not able to run through the whole song. We do not have any space at our facilities to run through a dance except for the sanctuary, and there were people already getting to church. The dancers went ahead, and we bravely went through the song during worship. Quite a few mistakes were made, but nothing so horrible that the audience would notice. I am conflicted about going ahead with the song during service. Should I have excused ourselves from the song or gone ahead and danced the song, even though we were not fully prepared? Um, anybody want to comment on that? Has anybody had any kind of experience like that where you were asked to do something kind of at the last minute that you weren't really prepared for? And what would you do? Should you, you know, kind of decline and say, hey, we need more practice? Or would you go ahead and, you know, just do the song? Uh, I asked Lynn. Yeah? This is Rosemary from Kalamazoo. Uh-huh. Uh, we had the musician at our church that wanted us to do flags uh, to a Pacific song. And we had choreographed it to the song that they wanted it, but he rearranged the music and the whole entire song. Oh, wow. And so we didn't find that out until two days before, and so the other dancers, they were a nervous wreck about it. They didn't want to look silly or stupid or anything like that, so to calm them down, I went to the music director and told him, I'm sorry, we will not be able to do this because we didn't know what the music was going to be. Right. And we, you know, if it would have been maybe one or two of us and one could have been on the other side or, or in the uh, sure. front or some other different direction, but it was like eight or nine of us. And some of them oh, were wow. newer to the ministry, so right. I knew they were freaking out from it. So mm-hmm. in that situation, I opt to... Um, saying we'll have to do it another time when we can come together to practice the song, the music, the way you rearranged it together properly. We want to do it as an, we want, we don't want to be like we are perfectionists, but we want to do it to a level of excellence for the Lord. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's probably what I would do. That's, yeah, that's excellent. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And so eventually we did do something with them later, but we just opted to let them know. We just can't do it right now. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I mean, given all the circumstances that you said and the type of choreography that it was, that's, that's definitely what I would do for sure. Um, if it's a more simple dance, if there are um, a handful of people, you know, two, three, four people, something like that, um, maybe you could just, you know, everybody follow the leader kind of thing. Um, do the choreography that you do know, like say, for example, during the chorus, and then 
just follow the leader and do something spontaneous, everybody following somebody, um, you know, for the other part. But with a more complicated piece like that with all those people and some of them being new, I think that was wisdom in saying, you know, you just have to decline. So, yeah, that's good. All right. Um, this is Felicia Mesfarland's question. Does anyone have creative ideas for storing and transporting flags and streamers in addition to your standard flag bag? Yeah, go ahead. It's Regina from Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. I have... I have utilized, um, I actually commandeered my husband's um, tripod bag for his camera. He has extra bags because they're long. So I use those to transport my flags and streamers, the ones that don't collapse. So those are very effective, and they're good because you can throw them over your shoulder and go. Hello. Yes. Go ahead. This is Bobby. Um, I just recently actually went on Google um, uh, about a month ago and just Googled flag bags. One of the things that I saw was keyboard bags. Um, And I did happen to go on Amazon and I ordered a couple of them. They're great. I Mm -hmm. love mine. In fact, I brought it to the conference in um, Indiana. And it's because my flags are pretty big. I have some that are actually on telescopic poles. Um, it held all my flags, my poles, my streamers. You can throw it over your shoulder. You can actually uh, put your arms through it so it's actually on your back. Um, yeah. I don't know about traveling on a plane, but for example, if you're traveling in your car, it's just it's not you know it's a nice looking bag. Mm-hmm. Um, it I just thought I just love mine. Absolutely love it. Yeah, no, it, it was really nice. It's appropriate. And plus, you were able to open it up and still have access to the flag with it just open like that, you know. So right. that, was, that was really nice. Also, yep. um, you know, Donna Atira is on the phone. She has somebody at her church on their dance team who makes these amazing flag bags. Um, they're like $100, some of them, you know, depending on the material or whatever, but they are just amazing, um, and they hold a lot of flags. So, I mean, if you wanted to just inquire to Donna on Facebook, she could probably direct you to whoever that person is. Um, I can't think of her name at the moment, but, you know, she does a really nice job. I've also seen people, not for the airplane, but, you know, just to carry in your car. Um, like uh, Target has, uh, or, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot um, especially around Christmas time, they have these, um, um, their ornament, not ornament, um, wrapping paper tube storage containers. And, um, I mean, they're big, long, flat plastic containers with a lid. Sometimes the lid's lock, But some of them actually have wheels on one end so that you can pick it up and kind of tote it. Um, now, that's just, you know, that's good for maybe going from your home to the car to the church and back or something, you know, or storing or moving around in the, in the church or something like that. It's not it's not like good for, you know, like traveling a lot or walking a long distance or airplane, but I've seen those and those seem to help too. Um, and it keeps them nice and protected and you can store quite a bit in there. Um, but anyway, wow, these are, these are great um, suggestions. Let's go to Denise Salo's question. Um, 
made my first flags and used chiffon fabric, and I just tore the fabric and using scissors as if curling ribbon obtained, oh, wait, let's see. Yeah, oh, I see. Okay, and I just tore the fabric and using scissors as, as if curling ribbon obtained jagged edges to help visualize fire. It worked well, but in the long run, wondering if anyone has experienced using this method, how long can I expect them to last without using some type of edging um, or if there is another method to protect the edges? Um, flag makers or seamstresses, anybody have any suggestions for? Uh, this is Rosemary again. Uh-huh. I wondered if she put a fray check on the edges of the fabric if she's not going to sew it or anything like that. It's a liquid product to stop the fraying of the fabric. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, did she use fray check? Yeah, she didn't say, but I was thinking thinking that. I didn't know what it was called, but um, I've seen that before, and that really helps. Because it still allows you to have the look that you want, but keeps the edges from fraying. Um, so it's called fray, F-R-E-Y, I think, or F-R-A-Y. Something Check. like that, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's, yeah, that's an excellent suggestion. Pastor Lynn? Uh-huh. Uh, this is Allison. Um, I am a little seamstress, but um, I did make some flags, but... Um, my my other suggestion would be um, maybe some um, some glue. Uh, you know that um, sometimes the glue is thin and the, the flag is big. You know, because I find that when I made my flag, the uh, you know the the shifting of them, you know, just seems to kind of wear on those finer fabrics. But I haven't tried it, but that might be something that she might try. Mm-hmm. You know? Good, thank you. That was yeah. it. All right. Um, by the way, has anybody else come on the chat that has not said hello earlier? Is there anybody else that came on that would like to say your name? Yes, Pastor Lynn. This is Amy Tang. I just came on a few uh, minutes ago. Yay. Oh, good. Okay. Welcome to the call. Um, is there anyone else? I think that was probably it. Um, I think that's everybody. Okay, um, this is Kara's question. <laughs> Have you ever seen a need or thought that it might be beneficial to divide a team into smaller or separate teams based on age or abilities? Um, for example, adults and kids, youth and adults, older adults, etc. Yes, I would strongly recommend that. Um, I think it, if, if the team gets large enough where it can warrant a a, you know, a divide of ages, that would be ideal. Um, I mean, ideal, there's, there's a big, big, big difference between a five-year-old and a 13-year-old, you know, as far as ability and comprehension and, um, you know, attention span and, and things like that. So, you know, sometimes having all the kids together is okay, but the 13-year-old is you know, almost, I mean, she's a teenager, so she can handle a whole lot more than, say, a four- or five-year-old. They're still getting their motor skills together. So um, if, if there's enough kids to warrant an age separation, I would do that, you know, from like, I don't know, age 
four, five, up through eight maybe, and then, you know, nine through, um, you know, nine through 13, something like that, and then 14 through 18 probably, um, or 14 through 17, and then the adults, and then, um, you know, if there's a whole group of seniors, you know, put the seniors together because they can do some, they can't do some things that the young adults can do and that kind of thing. So it it really depends on if there's enough people to warrant that. But if there are enough people, uh, by all means, yeah, break up the different groups because their, um, you know, their skills, their abilities, their, um, you know, it, it's, it would just, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So um, I always did that. And, you know, I mean, it might start out with, you know, all kids and then it might be a teen and young adult and then it might be adults, you know, something like that. Or um, so it just depends on the number of people in the particular age groups. Um, but, yeah, that would be definitely beneficial. Um, I'm going to go to Marcy Garm's question. Besides prayer, how do you handle the pastor's idea of a dance team and your idea when they don't look the same. Hmm. Who would like to start talking about that? How do you handle it if the pastor's idea of a dance team and your idea of a dance team don't look the same? Um, how about, how about Hello, Scotty. Go ahead. Is that? Um, I'm exactly in that place, or I have been, and I, I, the only thing I can say is pray, pray and just wait on God because you're, you know, it really depends on where they're at and their understanding. One of the things that I did was I got a copy of um, Dance, What's the Point? Um, and I did give that to my pastors and um, they both, they have read it. Um, things haven't really changed. I mean, we're accepted and, and so on in our church. Um, but we're never asked to do any specials or anything like that. We don't dance during services or, or anything like that. I mean, they're still very encouraging and so on. But as far as services go, we're just, we're just part of the congregation. But um, definitely try to, you know, get some information into their hands and just continually pray. And your team, pray for them. And um, and eventually, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. The more you know, we pray about it, God's going to move, and things are going to change. Be very respectful um, of their position. Never, ever, ever, ever say anything negative about them or the ministry. You know, if you're a leader in your church, as far as that goes, like I'm, a, I'm the dance team leader. I may not always agree with everything, but I submit myself to them because they are my leaders. Right. So right. you have, have a very submissive spirit and just pray and be a blessing to them. And I believe, you know, God's going to honor that, and eventually it is going to turn around. It's going to change. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay. This is um, – this? this is Lisa Heinbach's question. She says, my check question for this month has to do with starting a dance team. My pastor and I have discussed going forward. I have been in prayer, but am finding it so difficult to know what to do first or even as an overall plan, like an outline. 
I have looked at many books online and starting a dance ministry team as well. There are so many resources. I feel like I could research for months. How do I know when it's God's timing to move forward? The door is open right now, and my pastor is encouraging me in the ministry and to place an insert in the church bulletin. I told him I am waiting to pray for vision from God on how to lead this ministry. I want to please God, and I don't know how to start. I've been facing such warfare lately. I know the enemy doesn't want me to move forward. I know I need some type of agreement with dancers on their requirements for practice, um, timeliness, salvation, relationship with the Lord. Does anyone have a copy of anything like this? Um, I think I referred her to Annie um, on the level two page, and Annie posted that. Um, or any good resource, resource support for me. Um, I also know if we should just start with studying God's word on dance and prayer for like six-week session. I want their hearts to be right with God and understanding ministry. Should practice open with prayer and the word, warm-up dance movement. I feel like I need a mentor for this because I really don't know what to do. If anyone feels led to work with me with email or phone chats, let me know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you've got a, a huge wealth of uh, people on our Facebook pages with the school of people that can, you know, give input. Um, but it sounds to me like it is time and not to not to be so overwhelmed by all the details. Um, it, it sounds like your pastor is, if your leadership is, like, encouraging you, he sees that potential in you. He sees that anointing in you to be able to do it. And, you know, he's even willing to put it in the church bulletin. I mean, he is, he is like, ready. Um, so, and he obviously, as the pastor of the church, sees that in you that you're ready. Um, now, you may not feel like it, you know, but or where to start and all that, but I feel like you're, you're kind of swarming, you know, it's like all the responsibilities are swarming around and you need, you know, not to worry about all that, but just focus on what God's telling you to do initially. And you're on the right track, you know. It's like, should we open with prayer? Yes. Should we do the Bible study? Yes. Should we do warm-up? Yes. Should we do dance movement? Yes. So, you know, I would pray and ask the Lord, you know, to kind of hone hone in on what's already in your heart and then write it down, make it plain. You may even want to just open up a word, a blank word document and call and say, Lord, show me what to do and then start typing. And, and you'd be amazed what God gives you. Then once it's written down, then all you have to do is like organize it, you know, and just kind of put it in both form or one, two, three, or whatever, but um, I would, you know, set a day and set a date. Um, you know, let's say, for example, you want to do it on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, and you want to start August 1st or whatever, you know, um, and put it in the bulletin, see what kind of interest there is, and then, you know, when you have your first meeting, have 
kind of a sit down with the ladies or, or men, whoever's going to be there. Just have a um, a sit down with them. I would open up in prayer, have a nice long prayer, and, and maybe some worship. You know, put some music worship music on. Maybe just put the lights down low and have people move how the Holy Spirit moves them. You know, get them moving a little bit to the music where nobody's really watching anybody necessarily, but I think it's important for prayer and worship, that first one. And, you know, maybe a little Bible study for, you know, maybe from the Dance, Dance, Dance book or an active word study or something like that. And then sit down and kind of talk about what you see, you know, what God's showing you for the ministry and um, just kind of have a sit down, like we talked about for um, for uh, Galapu, um, for Diane. Um, you know, just say, here's my heart, here's what I see, um, here's where I feel like the Lord is leading us to go. Um, what are your expectations? What would you like to see? And, you know, we're going to work towards this or that. You know, but um, so anyway, I hope all that helps. But, yeah, and just reach, reach out to, you know, on our Facebook pages. There's a lot of people who are willing to help and share their wisdom. All right. Pastor, Pastor Lesson. Uh-huh. This is Carrie. Uh-huh. Um, I just want to make an, a suggestion um, for myself. This is what I did. Um, my husband and I head up the prayer team at our church, and there were two people on the prayer team who were so excited about um, me starting a dance ministry and um, one of them is a man, one woman, and the man has actually a sister in another state who dances, so he gets it. He really loves it. He understands it. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I went to both of them and I said, "Would you consider being uh, Would you consider being um, intercessor for the for the dance ministry?" And so I recruited them, and so I'm sending them once a month. I send them um, it's a, three praises and three prayer requests. For the, specifically for the dance ministry, um, so that there's there's prayer, you know, going up, um, undergirding what we're doing. You know, besides just us, me or people on the dance team praying, I've got two people who absolutely are excited about it. They're enthusiastic, and you know, I said once a month I'm going to send this to you. I'm not going to overwhelm you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, three praises and three prayer requests uh, mm-hmm. each month, and mm-hmm. so that's one way you can undergird. Uh, your ministry with prayer. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I think every ministry should have intercessors. I mean, that is, like, vital. That's, that's excellent. Excellent idea. Good. All right. Um, this is Amy Tang's question. I have dance ministry products that I sell online. Recently, I've received feedback from two different people questioning the way I sell my products. Here is what one person said. <clears throat> And she has the person's quote. I have been unable to understand why one should sell something that the Lord gives them as a gift. Your emotions, your ideas, your inspiration, your dances, it all comes from the Lord. It goes back to him as a holy offering. It should be freely given as it is freely received. Um, And then she says, she also felt that she received too many ads from me uh, through my email list. Do you ever feel conflict between business financial side of dance ministry and the ministry side of it also how do you get the word out about your products without causing people to feel they're being barraged by sales pitches um wow that's a really really good question um well before i say something does anybody want to um comment on that 
any suggestions? Um, can I just say this? This is Bobby. Um, Amy, I love your stuff, by the way. Um, you know what? I guess all I have to say to that is, is there's always going to be somebody who's going to try to throw, uh, for lack of a better way, a monkey wrench or throw a dart at you. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it always comes from the most well-meaning people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the enemy uses. That's, all that is is a dart. That's, that's just a dart to try to take you down. Um, I just I don't have any real words of wisdom other than I think you're doing a great job and I love your stuff and uh, just keep on dancing, girl. Mm-hmm. This is Robin Noor. Uh, I'm on Amy's page and I love everything she does. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know who this person is, but um, if they hit the like or if they signed up for the email, you know, it should be people who really want to see what she has to offer and and, and read about her. So mm-hmm. I don't really understand that, uh, why there would be any negative feedback, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I, this is Carrie again. I, I'm struggling to understand this as well because there are many uh, pastors out there, many ministry leaders out there who have books. They write books. They do CDs. Um, people pay for those. Um, so and, and and the benefits, you know, greatly benefit from it. So I'm I'm struggling to understand that myself. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, but I would say um, that the one or two who uh, are maybe negative or don't understand, then respond to them, but not stop what you're doing unless lots and lots of people are unhappy with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like I could have, um, you know, a hundred positive comments about something, and one negative word is the only thing that I'll hear. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that sticks with me. You know, it's like. I, I don't know, something like, you know, it takes 10,000 positives to negate one negative comment or something like that. I forget what the statistics were, but, you know, we we just don't like to receive negative. And so, um, but I think what this woman, um, she kind of got it a little mixed up. Um, you know, it's like, I don't know where people get the idea that, because things are Christian, they have to be free. I mean, how do you think that a church building survives? I mean, they've got mortgage, they've got employees, they've got insurance, they've got, you know, or or any ministry has got expenses. You know, so there's, there's got to be finances somehow to undergird any ministry. And so now, as a dance ministry, we're not selling the gospel. I mean, can you imagine if I was telling this, I was talking to somebody the other day, I said, can you imagine if a pastor of a church, if they had like a a ticket booth before, you you know, down the center aisle, before you could sit in the queue, you got to pay a fee to go to church. I mean, it's ludicrous. You would not mm-hmm. not pay a fee or, you know, charge a certain amount to go to church. You know, the, the gospel is given freely and freely we give, you know, to support 
a ministry, to support a church. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with if if a pastor, let's say, has a gift to be able to write and expound about their wisdom or their knowledge or their understanding of the word. Um, and, I mean, how many churches have bookstores in their lobby? There's nothing wrong with, you know, that selling something to help support the ministry or the church. Um, it's not selling the gospel. They're not charging a fee for preaching the message. They're charging for their knowledge, for their experience. Um, you wouldn't have a professor who's teaching at a college to say, well, I don't need to get paid. You know, I've got, you know, 20 years of experience, you know, being educated. i got my Ph.D. in physics. And, you know, because I've studied all these years, you know, I, I don't need to get paid. That's okay, you know. But we pay professors for those books, for their teaching, for cl- for college classes, for courses, you know, things like that. So, you know, that's kind of the way... Well, the world turns, um, but we're not paying for the gospel. We're not selling the gospel. We're we're selling or helping support our ministries by offering um, products and information from our knowledge base, from our experiences, from things that we've learned. So, you know, while true, we're not to sell the gospel, but certainly we can, um, you know, support our ministries uh, with resources from our knowledge base, from what we've learned, how we've grown. Um, So, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, raising money that way to help support the ministry. Um, there was something else I was going to say. It was really important. It slipped my mind. But anyway, um, so, I mean, I hope that helps. It's kind of the distinct. Oh, I know. Like, if you notice, for example, at my conferences, it's Friday night and Saturday night are free and open to the public. I don't charge for the ministry time on Friday night. You know, anybody is welcome to come. You know, a love offering is received, you know, just like they would do at a church. But I don't charge admission, quote-unquote, or a registration fee or something like that for the Friday night ministry. But I do charge for the conferences because I'm teaching dance. I'm teaching dance concepts that will enhance your ministry. Um, And it supports the ministry of Dancing for Him where people have gotten, you know, saved and healed and delivered and set free. You know, so if if you've got a ministry where you are ministering to people, you know, you're ministering the word, you're ministering healing, salvation, deliverance, um, you, you need support for that ministry to keep it functioning, to do the administrative things, to keep up with social networking and, you know, advertising and, and all the things associated, all the expenses associated with a ministry, but you don't charge for the gospel. You know, you you can charge to um, sell information that helps other people um, and that supports the ministry. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly, there's a scripture um, 
Oh, boy, I don't even want to get into it because I'm not sure, so I don't want to tangle myself. But, you know, the they were fishermen. Um, Jesus was a carpenter. You know, I mean, people made money to support ministries, you know. So um, I don't see a single thing wrong with that, <laughs> with, uh, you know, you've got to support your ministry somehow. And, you know, God provides, yes, but he provides through you know, schooling, resources, the ministry, um, workshops, classes, your knowledge base, things you've learned, information you want to share. Um, there's, yeah, I don't know where people get the idea that because something is Christian, it should be free. Things cost money. I mean, I barely make any money at all on, like, pillow cloths or flags that I sell. You know, I make them available for people. I mean, there's there's hardly any room in there. I mean, there's just barely enough to cover my shipping and cover the cost of the flags and, and that kind of thing, you know. So, um, but, uh, you know, there's other things where I'll make a little more, but even with that, I don't make much because I've got all these other expenses. I mean, you wouldn't believe how much it costs to run a big ministry like this. I mean, it costs a fortune. So, um, anyway, that's a very good question. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. And I hope that what I said makes sense. <laughs> Anybody else? Thank you. Other? Yeah, thanks to everyone that answered. Okay, praise God. Um, all right. Does anybody else want to share any ideas about that before we move on to Shonda's question? Okay. Uh-huh. This is Regina. Oh, yes. I, I feel the same way as some of the other people. It's unfortunate that, that you had to address that question. But people also need to understand that God gives us giftings mm-hmm. in order that we may prosper and be able right. to bless others. So mm-hmm. to me, that's a simple concept. God yeah. gives us the giftings to be able to, to, to function and to live and uh-huh. to be able to bless others. That's right. And, and the Bible says a workman is worthy of his hire. You know, it's not, it's not like one, this one time a few years ago, um, one of my level one students um, was really, really blessed and, and was an exceptional dancer and all that. And a pastor had contacted me and asked me if I could dance at his church during a certain celebration or something like that. And I knew this one level one student was very well qualified. And um, so I recommended her to him. And I went, I grilled him. I said, I want to make sure that she's fed. If she has to spend the night, you have to make sure that, you know, her lodging is covered. Um, You're going to need to give her an honorarium that you pray about. Um, And I went on and on and on. I wanted to make sure that she was taken care of. Um, You know, because a workman is worthy of his hire, they did not give her anything. Nothing. And I was so upset. I was like, how could he, this is a pastor. He promised that he would do X, Y, Z. No problem, Pastor. I understand. This makes sense. He's in total agreement with me. And he gave her nothing. And she worked like two or three services and danced during all three services. I mean, she really worked hard and didn't get anything. And I was just, I was so upset. But, um, Pardon me for going on about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not even, you know, about somebody talking about it. It's just to do anything. But anyway, um, 
So, yeah. All right. Let's move on. All right. This is Chandra Cherry's question. My husband is supportive of my dance ministry and is always willing to help me in any way he can. I am blessed to have a supportive family. However, what advice would you give someone whose family is not supportive or indifferent? How would you view it as a sign to stop or as an obstacle to overcome? Wow, that's that's a really that's a really tricky um, question. Um, can somebody who would like to talk about that? Uh, a family who is not supportive or they're indifferent to the dance ministry. How does a, a wife or, or a husband handle that? <clears throat> Go ahead. Afternoon. Uh-huh. This is Janine Gurney. Um, okay. I remember when I first started... Uh, my husband really didn't, he wasn't, I don't know, he he just thought I was Clacko <laughs> for a little while. But what happened, um, because I kept pressing the issue about dance, the anointing kept coming stronger and stronger. And it was actually God's presence and his anointing that turned my husband's heart. Mm-hmm. And so now, now of course he supports me, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But at the beginning, at the beginning he was really questioning it mm-hmm. because you know at the beginning we didn't have a lot of teaching like what we have now. Mm-hmm. And so and it it was new. Everything was do everything we were doing was breaking out of the mold and. Everything we were doing was just, it was pressing up against the the religious mindset all the time. And so he was like, ah, you know, I'm not quite so sure. But every single time, God's faithfulness with bringing the anointing, and he would watch it, and he would, and, and he would weep after every time. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then it was God's hand that... Um, Changed his heart. It was God's presence, him being in God's presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I would say too, if if they um, are indifferent, uh, I would say as long as you respect their boundaries, give them the undivided attention that they need, and you know, support and encourage them in in what they do and whatnot. And you don't overstep um, the the uh, support that is given. In other words, if you ask or um, talk it over with your husband that, you know, I've got a practice for dance on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9, how do you feel about that? Would you mind or is that okay with you? You know, after you, you know, made sure they've got dinner and you take care of them and all that, you know, you're not shirking any other responsibilities. But if, um, and, and they say, yes, that's perfectly okay with me, you go ahead. Um, and maybe they're not, you know, 100% supportive, but it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, she's going to be gone from 6.30 to 9.30, um, you know, giving half-hour driving time each way or whatever. So if that's the case and you've got that okay and you've got 
that little bit of support, then make sure that you're home by 930. <laughs> you know, make sure that, you know, you leave at the appropriate time, but make sure everything is taken care of. In other words, you know, respect them, respect everything that you're supposed to do, you know, your responsibilities and things like that, and respect their time. If they're expecting you home by 930, be home at 930. And then, you know, if they don't really care about it, maybe just leave it at the door, you know, and just when you get home, give them 100% of your attention and affection, then, you know, they'll probably be okay with it, you know, but when when people stay out longer or have, have another um, practice time or, oh, I don't have time to fix your dinner, i got to get to practice early, you know, then they're going to, you know, feel like their toes are being stepped on and their boundaries are being crossed and they're being disrespected. And the worst thing that we can do to a husband is disrespect them. So um, anyway, that's just, you know, kind of my thing, take on it. Um, Okay, this is Pauline Fisher's question. Um, when a dance leader has been away from dance ministry for a number of years due to illness, what advice could you share with us on how the leader could work on getting their confidence back to minister again in their own home church as well as other churches? Um, well, I would definitely take classes and practice at home. Um, I, I would just say, you know, practice his presence, you know, dance in your prayer closet, um, just get, you know, work on some choreography, do as much as you possibly can on your own before you get there. And, um, and you know, you'll kind of get it back. Um, so, yeah, it would take some determination, some work on the dance ministry leader who has been sick. Um, you know, because coming back from an illness, I mean, it takes an extra measure of determination to make yourself practice, make yourself, you know, work hard to get your body back into shape and that kind of thing. So, um, but I would say, you know, practice, 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 and you get back in, we get back in the swing of it. That's a good question. Um, all right, this is Carrie Tyre's question. Um, with all the need and the turmoil in our world, I sometimes wonder about this lovely call to dance, and I feel selfish. I know that we can volunteer our time in church and parachurch ministries to help the poor and the downcast. How can uh, how we incorporate dance into these kind of outreaches? I'm aware of going into the prisons and into nursing homes to minister and dance. <coughs> what other ways can we include dance that ministers God's love and the gospel message in such outreaches? What has been others' experiences and what songs have you used? Um, so who would like to talk about that? You know, like how can the dance ministry help out, like the poor and the downcast and things like that, and different outreaches and whatnot. Anybody? Hi, it's Shakara. Uh huh. Um, I would say we've done um different like community cleanup days. Um, like like in our where our studio is located, like they'll do um like the different businesses to get together and clean up. Um, different parks and areas for the kids. Um, 
And so we've taken some days and volunteered to go and do that too, and it helped um, us to network and people to actually know, like, who we are and what we do, and it gives you that uh, that um, that actual stage to minister to people to let them know, like, hey, this is what we do, and um, people really receive you more when they actually see you doing something outside of the studio um, or outside of the church walls. Um, and then we also, like, we do the nursing home um, dances, but we try to accept, like, um, community event invites too um like we, i know we do like two of them annually um and so like we we started where it was like um county sponsored so we couldn't really do a christian song per se but we'll do like an instrumental um and our full bio was there which was um, shocking to me that they let like our whole biography be in the program, and wow. we're clearly called the Worship Academy, but we couldn't do a Christian song. So we'll do like a Christian instrumental, um, and we would get by by that. But then just this year, um, she said, "No, you can do whatever song you like." So it gave us now the freedom to actually come and minister a Christian song, and now it's okay. Um, so I think that just us making the effort to be out there and get involved in the network really helped. Um, you know, bridge ties and you know, networks. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Wow! Anybody else? I think um, a lot of times in, especially in lower income areas, in schools or places, arts are what get cut. And so, I mean, another idea it would be to, um, would be to offer. Uh, you know, free work, a dance workshop for kids or for adults for an afternoon, bring your team in, and, you know, maybe for young children. If you, if there's a um, a studio or a YMCA in the area, they would let you offer um, a workshop where they could where they could learn and worship and, and have fun in a time where maybe they not, don't have as much access to the arts. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah, excellent idea. Um, Okay, Pastor Lynn. Go ahead. Uh huh. It, it's a Tierra. I know it's not something I've actually done, but today I was in a small town in Havity Grace, Maryland, at my brother's. I mean, at my son's house, watching the parade, and there were like all these major rats and all these young girls, and they were dancing to all secular music. And then I would watch like the floats that they would let in, like one of the church and stuff, and um. They would just play like Christian music and stuff, and then I was like visualizing like songs and worship dancers and flags and all that, and I was like, wow, that would be so cool to get into like a local Fourth of July parade because they here in Maryland they allow um, ministries to get into it, you wow. know, and and I was just like standing there out of the blue like. I just, like, left my natural place and just, like, was spiritually just visualizing what that would look like and how cool that would be because people on the sides were, like, when when the people would stop and perform majorettes and dance and stuff, they were, like, all into it. It's like, how, much, how cool would that be to have dancers of different ages and flags and stuff and do a real powerful, upbeat type of song? How, Hi, you know? this is Bobby. Sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, that's it. I was done. It was just my okay. thought. Something I uh, I do just, that is what we do. My ministry, we've been doing that for years. We've been doing parades. 
And that I'm just sitting here. Um, I just have such an anointing. I just got to share this. I'm so excited. Um, we, I, if you want to talk to me about doing praise, uh, message me via Facebook or go through the website or whatever or the Facebook thing, and I'll tell you what we've done. We've been doing them for 13 years. Um, we've gone in strategically into different cities and done parades, especially the dancers. You know, we have dancers from all over. Um, we've danced on the steps of the state capitol. Um, we've just, the doors have opened wide in that area. We actually do tambourine and incorporate mm-hmm. flags. Um, and we, the, the song that we're doing, I usually we do the same song for a couple, three years. because We get really good at it after a while. Um, we do tambourine patterns. The song that we're using right now is by Soul Fire Revolution. It's called Revival. And mm-hmm. every year I pray, God, what, what kind of message do you want us to put out into the atmosphere? And we've gone into different cities, and the word is revival, revival. And as we're marching the streets, we take that as we're taking back the territory. We are taking that as we're telling the devil, you know what, you're done. You know what, we're taking back what belongs to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tambourines are going. We've got the tassels going. We've got flags going. We've even had men marching with us with big, huge banners. Um, it's just it's so fun I've literally had people from the Chamber of Commerce chase us down afterwards and say please come back next year we need you wow Um, we have we have yep we've had a handful of cities that we've gone to that we know we'll never go back to Um, we received just you know I mean people just look at us like we're you know not good Um, we've had People waiting for us that we did this one parade for about 10 years in, the, in the Minneapolis. We actually had people that knew that we were coming every year, and they would wait for us at the beginning of the parade so they could spit at us. They never hit us, but they would spit at us and yell at us. Oh, um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, it's a free country. People can do what they want, and they do. Uh, but the thing of it is is that I think my grandchildren do it with me now. In fact, we got a parade next week and uh, for the next two weeks. And we, it's just, it's amazing. It's a battle. I can tell you that. It is a battle. Um, it, it can really, yeah, we've had situations where sound equipment has just gone kaput. We, we didn't have anything. And then all of a sudden, as the parade started, everything fired back up again. I mean, I can tell you story after story. But wow. there's nothing greater when we're going down the street like we do this revival song, and then we also do God's Not Dead. Imagine that through the into the atmosphere, and we're that song is playing over thousands and thousands of people, and telling wow. them God's not dead, and wow. we have joy on our face, and we're smiling, and we're happy, and we're excited. We take our tambourines, and we literally during the God's Not Dead portion. That's kind of our break song. We just dance in the street, and we take our tambourines, and we run by the little kids and let them bang on our tambourines. We don't throw candy. We let them bang on tambourines, and they love it. And the kids wow. are dancing and jumping up and down. And, wow. and, you know, and, like, when we do the local local ones, there's people in the crowd that know who we are or know the grandkids or know somebody, a relative, and they're shouting out the names, and it's just it's amazing. I this is my last year, at least this summer, for going into the future of what a parade for me because I'm moving soon and I'm having to leave my dance scene behind. But it's just amazing. And if anybody wants help, and I can give you all kinds of tips, 
on how to get involved in your community in parades. Just just go through Facebook and get in touch with me. I would love to help you because, again, it's, it's not just getting out there in pretty dresses and having a good time. You are changing the atmosphere in that city. You're taking territory. Go to, oh, I want to think it's in First Chronicles. I believe it's First Chronicles. And, and, and where Jehoshaphat sent out the dancers and the singers first. That's what we do. And I've been doing it for 13 years, and I love it. It's so much fun. And anybody can do this. You can incorporate your grandkids, your kids. You know, it's, it's just amazing what you can do. It's just amazing. And people will... Ninety-five percent of the groups or the places we've gone, they've accepted us with open arms and, and expect us to come back. I get wow. phone calls every year. Are you coming back this year? <laughs> of course oh, wow. we are. Yes. <laughs> You're not excited about this, are you? Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm just bummed wow. that I'm not. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in Fort Wayne, Indiana next year, but who knows? You might see me in the streets. That's so right. praise God. We used to do that, to do that in Jesus March for Jesus. Um, Back in the 90s, that was a lot of fun. And I mean, we'd have like 3,000 Christians going down the street, you know, and the dancers were in front. I would lead, lead the dance group and stuff, so that was, that was really awesome. So I understand. That's awesome. Um, okay, I'm going to move on. This is uh, Sarah Lynn's question. Oh, boy. Um, she says, you accidentally overhear someone in the bathroom saying your dance team was horrible. How do you process this information? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine how those people would feel if you happened to step out of the stall at that very moment. <laughs> They'd be like, I mean, I didn't mean to say that. I, I mean, I'm sorry. You guys are great, but, you know, <laughs> Oh my gosh! Can you imagine their foot, their feet coming out out of their mouth? I mean, gosh, um, I do that sometimes when I go to a conference. I try to get in the stall really quick, just to overhear what people say about the conference. <laughs> but um, it's it's always usually good. But I can't imagine how that must have felt. Oh my gosh! Um, I don't know. I guess you just take it to the Lord in prayer and uh, say, Lord, was that them, or is there something that I could change? Is there is there something we could do to change what we do, you know, or was that somebody that didn't understand dance? I, I mean, I would totally take it into prayer. Um, yeah, wow. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? Would anybody, like, talk to the people who actually said that, maybe, you know, ask them, like, what it was you felt was horrible. I mean, I don't know if I would even confront them. I think I would want to crawl in a hole. Um, I would just, I would feel awful. Um, but I would probably first go and cry somewhere and then do lots of prayer. Um, anybody else have any ideas of what you might do in that kind of situation? Uh, Pastor Lynn, this is Rosemary. Uh-huh. And I did experience that we had a new girl that was on a dance ministry team, uh-huh. and she got nervous and couldn't figure out the steps. And then, she, you know, she tried to continue to do it, but it was obvious that she wasn't in sync with us. And so a couple of the members of the church came up to me and told us how awful we were. And oh. What, oh, yeah, told us how awful 
and we weren't the other girl was not as good as we were, and the girl was right there and oh. um so I basically had to uh talk to them in teacher mode that as she progressed, she will become better, and let's give her grace until she gets to the point where she is better. And it's not easy for a dancer to get out in front of so many eyes staring at them, you know, their first time getting out there and trying to do good. It's not their intention not to do bad or anything like that. But um, I defended her, and I defended the dance team because I knew what her capabilities were, but she just got nervous and started messing up. So I just let them know that uh, it would be nice if you can go and give her some um, encouragement and tell her not to quit because she is trying to do something for the Lord, and that's what it's all about. Did you receive the message that we gave to you in the song, or were you just mostly focusing on what the movements were about? Right, yeah, good, good. Uh, thank you. Um, okay. You know, I was thinking, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that maybe there could uh, first. I was thinking maybe you could, you know, speak at at um, one of the services and say a little something about the differences between, um, you know, dancing in general and then dancing for the Lord and praise and worship worship type of dancing, and mm-hmm. that the dancers don't have to be professionals or perfect. Um, it comes more from their heart and wanting to. Uh, minister, but if mm-hmm. you don't, if you can't do that, then maybe the pastor would let you put something in the bulletin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a definition of praise and worship dance and how it ministers and what the differences are for mm-hmm. people who would be um, maybe visiting for the first time or people who don't really understand it. Uh huh. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good idea. Excellent. Hmm. All right. Um, Regina's question, is it okay to have a male and female who are not married dance a duet together in church where touching of hands and lifts will be involved? Um, most of the time is probably okay, but I would not recommend it um, if you can get around it. Um because the appearance of evil, you want to avoid the appearance of evil. And it's it's always a blessing when you see a husband and wife dance together. Um, but any time I've ever seen in church uh, a male and a female who were not husband and wife dancing, um, there's kind of this like, hmm, are they? Are they? Are, I wonder if, you know, and and people have questions, and you know, it's like, are they dating? Are they a couple? Is it, you know, um, I mean, it could be the most perfectly innocent thing, and there's no, you know, bad spirits or anything. You know, it's like they they could be perfectly innocent and doing just fine, but there's always some people that wonder, and you want to avoid the appearance of evil at all costs. Um, so I I would try to stay away from it. Um, you know, it's not written in stone and it's not, you know, a definite yes or a definite no. But if you can avoid it, I would. Um, that's just that's just me. Um, 
you know, if you're real comfortable with your congregation and you know that you know that, you know, it's it's very innocent and everybody else knows that it's innocent and maybe the girl is married to her own husband and the guy is married to his own wife and, you know, they're very all happily married and all that and everybody's good with it, you know, it might be, it might be okay. But generally speaking, I would steer away from that. That's just me. Um, just to avoid the appearance of evil. Um, and, you know, you don't want to have place any kind of doubt in somebody's mind. Um, anybody else have any thoughts on that? Any comments? All right. Well, yeah. uh-huh. uh, this is Barbara um, Simpson. And um, at my church, and then um, I'm primarily the um, praise dance instructor, and I've had a lot of experience with miming. And there was a young man came and asked me who taught me miming, and I was like, um, I learned it um, from different workshops that I went to. And he was like, Well, I brought somebody out here. I said, No, it's me. And he asked me, Did I mind training him how to do miming? And um, for us, it wasn't a problem. Um, with the miming, and I trained him, and, and you know, he, you know, we all go to the same church. My husband go to the same church. But um, young man is, well, I took him in as a student because he's way younger than I am, but he has um, a real natural ability to, to do miming. So it was very innocent, and, and he stayed in his place. I stayed in my place. It was all about God and learning the works of God and how to do miming. And, I mean, he just looked up to me and um, and thanked me and thanked the God that there was somebody there to help him with miming because with sure. all of my experience that I have gotten, that I've always maybe paid to go to a workshop and learn. And here I'm at the church, and I'm giving back the gift that God gave me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, no. and, so it was I, I, nice, and um, then he really appreciated. And I've had other people to come and ask, "Would you teach me how to do mine?" Oh, or sure. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong at all with guys and girls being on the same team. That is not a problem at all. Um, what she's talking about is, you know, with the guys putting their hands around the girl's waist and, you know, lifting them up in the air and, and oh. um, wrapping their arm around their ribs and doing a dip and holding them close. And, oh, I you know. Yeah, you <laughs> see, that's the kind of thing that I was... Oh, enjoy. okay. I understand yeah. what you say. No problem at all. All right. Thanks. Is, um, sure. This is Lenore Ray's question. Um some colors just make sense, but some I can't understand. I've seen so many descriptions on what each color means, like orange. I have seen it mean intercession, boldness. The other one says it means ambition, harvest, and your book says covenant and agreement. I know in the dictionary we can look up a word and it will explain the meanings of a word, which helps us to be able to express something in a greater way. I want to learn the basics to help me remember. Is there a root word for each color? Um, well, like in my processional crafts and pageantry book, I 
point out the scriptures that refer to certain colors. Um, so I I kind of give, you know, like if you have orange and covenant, um, I think it's one of the colors in the rainbow. So rainbow is a promise or a covenant. And so I give the scripture where it talks about a rainbow or a covenant or a promise and and how it may reference yellow or it may reference a rainbow and a rainbow contains all those colors. So, um, you know, sure, you could look in the dictionary and you could see, you know, a bunch of different colors and what they mean and that kind of thing. And, you know, and that's probably okay too. But I think for praise dance, because we understand that there's scriptural and spiritual significance to waving a flag, we would want to have a scriptural foundation for the colors that we wave, you know, like, um, you know, red for the blood of Jesus and things like that. So there are many, 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 many places in scripture that refer to certain colors. And so I would kind of go with that. And like what I talk about in the processional book, I give the scripture that goes with the color or where you can find that color in scripture. So, um, you know, when in doubt, I would go with the Bible. Um, you know, so, yeah, there are lots and lots of references out there. And, I mean, they, they're all good. And I'm sure they have the reason that they chose those particular colors or definitions. But I would tend to just stick with the Bible and, um, you know, where those colors are in the Bible and what it means um, just to have a good foundation. Um, all right, this is Deborah Collier's question. Um, <clears throat> at the dance conference I attended in Harrisburg during the prophetic dance activation, you in, in, <laughs> instructed us not to hug or touch the person that we were ministering to. Often when I dance prophetically, I do touch and hug people. Is there a particular reason why you gave us that instruction? Yes, um, a couple of reasons. One, um, well, it's from based on experience. Uh, there were times where I would say, pray for somebody. And when you say, pray for somebody, you say those three words, everybody has a different understanding or interpretation of what pray for somebody looks like. Some people will put two hands on their shoulders and they'll put their forehead on their forehead and they'll close their eyes and bow forward and they're praying. That's, that's how they pray for somebody. Some people will hug somebody and they're praying for them. Some people lay hands on their head. You know, some people, um, you know, just hold their hands or, you know, something like that. But the goal of the prophetic dance class is to use movement to express the Father's heart. So when I say pray through movement, the, the purpose and the goal is to try to use dance moves, to try to use interpretive movement language to do your praying, to do, you know, to express the Father's heart through movement. Um, so that's you know, a, a practical reason because we're we're trying to learn a concept. We're trying to work through an exercise of movement as opposed to being stationary and laying hands on people. Um, the second reason, and I've also run into this, is like like we did the um, 
we we usually do the uh, final blessing at the end where you you know you come up with a word really quick and then you go to the end of the line you go up to the person and you give them a, a word really quick and an emotion and you run to the end of the line well when i first started doing that you know the exercise turned into a hug fast and it was like okay now this is not the concept <laughs> you know the idea is that you're supposed to just say it quickly the, the the reason that you do that particular exercise is so that you don't think of something cognitively in your mind, but you allow the spirit of God to flow through you without analyzing it. And so, you know, but what ended up happening is people would hug that person that they're, and then they'd hug and then everybody start hugging and it was like, good grief, we'll be here all night, you know. So they're, they're really kind of practical things. The, the third reason I say don't lay hands on somebody, don't touch them, um, it's because it's in a general workshop setting. Um, now, you may be a minister of God already. You may prophesy over people. You may already pray for people. You may lay hands on people. You may touch people when you dance. You know, that's between you and God and your experience and all that. But in the, in the general workshop setting, where most of the people there don't know most of the people there. We don't know where they've come from. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they've come from spiritually. We don't know how long they've been a Christian. We don't know what perverted spirits they may have carried into the building with them. We don't want to transfer, you know, anything that is not wonderful. You know, it's so... It's And you can transfer things, you know, spiritually, you know, by laying on of hands and whatnot. So I, I tend to, you know, in a general workshop setting like that, um, I'd rather play it safe and, you know, just have people go through the motions of movement, you know, and not, you know, not do any kind of laying on of hands and touching people and that kind of thing. Plus, you know, in a general setting where you don't know the people, some people don't like to be touched. Some people are like, don't touch me. (laughs) I mean, there are people that are like that. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of, those are the many reasons why I do that during the conference. You know, I want to be safe. I like to make it a safe and comfortable environment for everybody involved. And, you know, I might have a small group or I might have, like New York, there was 168 people. That's a lot of people (laughs) with every single kind of background you could dream of. So, you know, I have to be very cautious as a leader in orchestrating a group of people. And so that's why I do that. So there's, there's nothing wrong with touching people while you dance prophetically if you feel so inclined or if you feel like the Lord is in, uh, leading you that way and, you know, you're spiritually mature and you have permission to go to the congregation and that kind of thing. If everything's in order, then fine, no problem. Yeah. But like I say, in a workshop setting where you have a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, I need to, as the leader, oversee to make sure it's a safe environment for everyone. Make sense? Hello. All right. Um, all right. This is Lisa Normandia's question. Um, when you dance to a song that is prophetic, can you choreograph a dance to a prophetic song, or do you only dance to it spontaneously? Yes, I choreograph 
um, a prophetic song. Um, there's nothing wrong with choreographing a prophetic song. Prophetic dance doesn't necessarily always mean spontaneous dance. Prophetic has a lot of definitions that we go over, you know, in the prophetic dance book and the video and in conferences. Um, but there's, you know, choreography when it's divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, prayed over, prayed through, that in and of itself can be a prophetic dance because prophetic or prophecy is foretelling of the word of God. And so when you are foretelling the word of God, like a pastor preaches the word of God, the word of God going forth is prophecy. It's a foretelling of the word of God. So likewise, your choreographed dance is a foretelling of the word of God in pictorial movement format. So in your dancer's language of movement, you are foretelling the word of God. So there's nothing wrong with choreographing a dance to a prophetic song. Um, There's nothing wrong with doing a prophetic dance to the same song several times. I have what I call kind of my signature song for conferences um, to kind of open up prophetic dance. I kind of do the same song most of the time because it really ministers to people. Um, It really ministers the Father's heart. It really, really shows an example of what prophetic dance is. So I tend to do the same song most of the time at at a conference. And, um, you know, I asked the Lord, I was like, well, Lord, I'm so tired of the song. I'd like to do something else. You know, (laughs) occasionally I'll do something else, but most of the time the Lord encourages me and um, I feel impressed to do that song again. So um, anyway, I hope that answers your question. Oh, and at the end of, I think it's the Ballet 2 DVD. I think at the end of the Ballet 2 DVD, we did a group prophetic dance, um, a choreographed uh, group dance to a prophetic song or a song in first person. All right, this is Shaniqua Edwards' question. Does a dancer have to be ordained to be considered a minister of dance? Um, No, I think we all who dance for the Lord and who are called to dance, um, we minister to the Lord, we minister and dance. Um, So I think we could be called a minister of dance. Um, Now, you know, different people have a different definition of a minister. I mean, some people use the word minister as, you know, like a, a bishop of a church, let's say, you know, and I, I kind of see it, you know, in the in the whole outfit, you know, the ministerial garments and that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's a minister. You know, a minister could be like, a, you know, a priest or a, a minister could be somebody who visits people in the hospital. Um, a minister is somebody who, you know, um, loves the Lord and is called to feed the poor, you know. Um, so there are a lot of different um, concepts of how people see what a minister is. So, um, no, I don't think you have to be ordained to be a minister of dance. You know, I think if we have a calling on our heart, you know, we have a pure heart or, you know, we, we purpose to be, have a pure heart, um, before the Lord and we dance, you know, to give him the glory, um, then that could be a minister of dance for sure. Um, so that's a good question. All righty. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, this is Janine Durning's question. When your beliefs have changed and you have been ministering with someone else and they keep bringing a message that doesn't line up with what you believe and your heart can't go there anymore, do you step down and go in a different direction? What do you do? Um, let's see. It doesn't line up with what you believe. Um, well, you really have to go with what the Lord is prompting you to do. Um, you know, it could be that, well, I mean, as long as it's not a, a wrong message or a bad message or or false doctrine or, or something like that, I mean, those kinds of things you'd want to get away. Um, but if, if it's just... Um, maybe you have a deeper belief or a deeper understanding about something that they're not quite there yet um, doesn't necessarily mean that you would need to leave. Um, it could mean that they're just not there yet and you just need to keep praying for them. But if you get like a constant check in your spirit, uh, if it kind of goes against your grain, so to speak, and, you know, that's like, well, that doesn't line up with what I believe. I, you know, it's like it's wrong. Or I, you'd have to just be led by the Spirit, and you know, ask the Holy Spirit what what you need to do in this situation. And then, if you feel led to to leave, um, you know, go to them in love, and you know, um, be be sent out in love. You know, so try not to. You know, you wouldn't want to just leave with. Um, hard feelings or anything like that. They should have a clear understanding of why you're leaving. And as long as you can um, explain it in love and kindness and, and that kind of thing. Um, but that's, that's really, I would, I would be led by peace, you know, God, be led by God's peace. Um, so you really, nobody can say one way or the other. It's just kind of, you know, when you know, so, um, and y'all pipe up too. I'm, I'm trying to get through these questions fairly quickly. That's why I'm picking up the pace a little bit because we're only, I've, we've got a lot more to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you have any other ideas or comments on anything that I'm saying, you know, don't feel bad, you know, just, you know, interrupt and just, um, Try to pipe up, and um, you know I'll I'll shut up. Um, I'm just trying to talk fast and to get through a lot of the questions. But you know we'd love to hear what you have to say on anything. Um, okay, this is Joanne Yoshida's question. If I say that last name incorrectly, I'm not sure how to say that. But anyway, does anyone have a favorite worship song or CD or singer that they are really into these days? Also, if you want to share if you're doing a dance to that music or anything else about how the music is flowing into your life, um, who would want, let, why don't you all just, um, people just kind of say real quick, you know, a CD or a singer that you really like these days. Uh, this is Amy. I love Brian and Katie Torwalt. They're out of Bethel. Um, and then actually just kind of rediscovered Michael W. Smith. I know he's old, but boy, his music is really good. 
Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Awesome. I um, love Carrie Job. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, goodness. Uh, anybody else? Well, just say what music you like, what you've been listening to lately. Uh-huh. I like um, Anthony Anthony Brown. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he has quite a few going beyond. Um, it's like three or four I just kind of discovered. I just, I just go worship, worship, and, you know, I'm going to be what God wants me to be. And it's, it's, uh, it's I found it by accident, kind of. Uh-huh. But Anthony Brown and, and he calls Anthony Brown and group therapy. You know, oh, wow. um yeah, so um do it again. And my other favorite guy is um Kevin Lamar. Kevin Lavar and he um talks about forgiveness and your destiny. I did a dance on that song at the conference. Uh huh. And um uh, that's the one I find great. Well that was uh-huh. it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Who else? I'm trying to think of this one song that just keeps going through my spirit. Um, And I think it's from the Chosen CD. Um, um, I I just, I know the song, but I can't think of who sings it. Um, Meredith Andrews, is that it? No, no. I like Meredith Andrews. I like Laura Reinhardt. I like um, Kimberly and Alberto Rivera. I'm into Jasmine now. She's a new artist. Um, oh, I love Bethel music. Um, Stephanie mm-hmm. Frizzell and um, who's that other one? Um, Julie, how about Julie Myers? Oh, and Julie Myers. Yes, yeah. I love all those. Um, but I love this song called We Will Dance or We Dance like in Bethel music. It's just, it's just been in my spirit a lot lately. Um, I, I love uh, Matt Gilman, um, Micah Stampley, um, I just, Meredith Andrews. Um, I, I just love a, a bunch of them. Um, Kathleen Carnally, Donnie McClurkin. Um, I, I just I have a whole bunch of music that I just love, um, all different styles. Um, so. And she's asking, how does the music flow into your life? Like, where do you find music? And, um, well, I get music from listening to you guys, <laughs> mostly. Like, I'll listen to, you know, your uploads and the music that you talk about in your uploads. I think, oh, I'll have to check that out. And I'll go to iTunes and I'll find it. And I'll say, oh, I like that one. And I'll download it. Um, or when I'm at the conferences and I see people dance at the concert. Um, since I have the con- the concert list with all the songs on it, I was like, oh, I, I like that dance. I love that song. So I'll go look that one up and add it to my playlist. <laughs> so that's how I get all mine. Um, but you can always just, you know, go to iTunes or go to YouTube and look for worship dances and see what kind of dances people are doing, um, what kind of songs people are doing their dances to on YouTube. And you know, so a lot of times the popular ones are on the house. Pastor Lynn, one of the things that's happened to me on a couple of songs is I'll be listening to the Christian radio, 
And yeah. uh, sometimes I'll just be drawn to the song. It's like I'll be, I won't be even paying attention. One time I was driving, another time I was walking the house, and, yeah. I, and I heard the song in the background, and I was like, what is that? Who is that? And I had to stop what I was doing to find out who that song. And that, that was um, Casey. Casey would fill me up. And um, and a little longer by Nancy Jackson Jones. Mm-hmm. But um, that's another thing. Just exposing yourself in the spittle just just give you things to minister uh, for you to minister to whoever you're going to minister to, or even to minister mm-hmm. to yourself. Uh-huh. Wow, awesome. <laughs> one one other quick suggestion. This is Amy. This is something my husband's been doing. I guess Apple Music has a new subscription program, and you tell them some songs that you like, and then they'll suggest other songs like that for you. So if you're looking for songs, that's kind of a kind of a good resource is Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, um, you know, we can continue this. Like, you can just write down stuff on your Facebook page, on our um, you know student page, whichever level you're on. Or maybe just write it on the level one page because level one students can't see level two page just yet. Um, so, but because um, we, oh my gosh, it's only 20 more minutes and we've got a ton of questions. So I'm going to move on. Um, this is a serious question. Um, what would you say to a student that needs encouraging encouragement after being told just because you go to dance school doesn't mean you're going to be a dance leader? Oh my gosh. I just got to mean. Wow. Um, so what would you say to the student uh, that needs encouragement after being told just because you go to dance school doesn't mean you're going to be a dance leader? Um, <coughs> well, I mean, that may be true, but somebody shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, you, you go where... God calls you, and I don't know what would you say to somebody. I mean, that's, that would be pretty discouraging, I would think. Um, but just know that God loves you for who you are and right where you are, and that you know He's called you to be a dancer for Him, and uh, just you know continue to press on and and see where he leads you, see what doors he opens up for you as you're being obedient and as you're being led by the Spirit and as you're doing, you know, step by step what he's called you to do and you're faithful in the little things, then, you know, eventually he would raise you up um, to do what he wants you to do. So, you know, don't, don't be discouraged by what someone else, by somebody else's lack of vision. Um, for your life because God sees you as perfect. God sees you as beautiful. And God sees your end from the beginning. God sees your your future as a hope and a future. So don't be discouraged by, you know, what somebody's lack of vision for your life. Just keep your eyes focused on the prize. Keep your eyes on, on Jesus and continue on doing what you feel he's called you to do. And he'll raise you up to where he wants you to be. So don't be discouraged. Um, all right, here we have um, this is a serious question again. Um, 
How do some dance leaders handle dancers that want to break for summer for the rest, rest, family, vacation time, and so on? Um, what are some pros and cons of taking a break and pros and cons of not taking a break? How does it impact the unity of the team when one or two dancers take a summer break and the dance leader along with a few other dancers don't and continue on over the summer? Um, okay. Somebody who maybe has a dance team, and what's your take on that? Um, you know, about taking a break for the summer or not, or some people taking a break and some continuing on. Um, who would like to speak to that? How about um, Shikari? Do you guys take a break during the summer or anything? Are you still there, Shikara? I got mute. Uh, who else has a team? Um, um Pastor Lynn, this is Mary Kiyoko. Oh yes, go ahead. Uh-huh. Yes, uh we have a team. Uh, I mean, I have we have mediums of today. Um we don't take summer break, but uh, when we work very hard like now since January, we have been working to choreographing about 10 songs for our pastor who was taking out a DVD. And so immediately after that, uh I gave the team a uh, two weeks break and um, if there is a holiday like the 4th of July instead of meeting on Friday I just give them a break and when we come back we come back all rejuvenated and because we know families take take trips during this time so that's the only time we break and when we come back we are all eager to come back and yeah. ready to, uh-huh. to continue with the ministry Mm-hmm. So you only take like two weeks. Yeah, Those about two weeks, like, two to three weeks, if I feel that's what is needed. Uh-huh. That seems like yeah. a good amount of time. Um, anybody else have any ideas or want to share about a break? Uh, Pastor Lynn, this is Rosemary. Uh-huh. I no longer am the dance leader, but um, when I was, we would take a summer break. Mm-hmm. And we would end it in the month of June, and Mm -hmm. we would always go to some kind of a dance conference before we would go on break and have Mm -hmm. a celebration. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, it kept everybody refreshed. So we Mm -hmm. would start back up uh, right after Labor Day, maybe the second week in September, Mm -hmm. and then we would have, let's get acquainted back again and tell Mm -hmm. me your good news, what happened all over through the summer, and, and... uh, we wouldn't jump right back into dance because mm-hmm. it, it would take them a couple of weeks to want to get back into the mode of coming back on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So we would just start off doing fellowship and so forth, and then they was ready mm-hmm. after that to get back into moving again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's probably wisdom. Um, we never took a break. <laughs> just... As soon as we finish one dance, we start working on the next one the next week. <laughs> it sure never took break. But, um, yeah, I, 
don't ever I don't ever remember taking a break when we had dance ministry. Um but that's just me. That's how it works for us. It worked fine. But you know, I do hear of people taking summer breaks and it's probably a really good idea. Um so okay. Um let's see, before I go into the next one or two questions, um let's see. Uh Roberta uh, not Roberta, I'm sorry. Bobby, <laughs> have you opened or closed this in prayer before? Maybe I'm mute. Bobby, are you still there? She might have left us. Okay. Um, let's see. Who has not opened this and closed this in prayer before? Huh? Donna Cormier, have you ever opened or closed this in prayer on the chat? How about somebody who is not open or closest in prayer? Just help me out and just say, I haven't chosen or closest in prayer before. <laughs> You've all opened or closed in prayer before in the chat? I just don't know if I have. <laughs> Can't oh, remember. Who's that? That's Amy. Oh, Amy. I'm pretty sure you have. Okay. Um, but let's see. Alicia, you've probably opened are closed. I just need somebody to close in prayer after we're done. Can you volunteer? <laughs> Pastor Lynn, it's here. I haven't opened or closed in prayer. Okay. Would you mind, after we're all done, closing us in prayer tonight, please? Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Good. Um, yeah, so I know one of the questions that somebody had, and I don't know where it is on the list, and it may be a while, um, you know, before we can get to it. But I know the level one students want to know about level two because it's time now to, you know, start doing prepayment plans and start. it's time now to start thinking about, you know, moving on to level two and that kind of thing. So I want to take um, the last couple of minutes um, maybe one, maybe two of the level two students, if you wouldn't mind sharing um, maybe like what the difference is between level one and level two, um, what you're gaining from level two. Is it, you know, oh my gosh, you got to do it kind of thing. Is it worth it? Um, you know, so can, maybe Amy, can you share a little bit about that? Because I know it's one of the questions. Oh, and they want to know also um, how much more study time on average is um, is required, you know, or mm-hmm. to be successful. So can Amy, yep. can you go first, please? Sure, and I would love to. Um, so, uh, yeah, I <clears throat> actually seriously considered not doing level two because I felt like I got what I came for in level one. Like I felt like I got credibility. I got this really good, solid training things to give. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. So I really prayed and thought about whether I would do level two and, um, and ended up deciding to. And I'm just so glad I did. In fact, as I think about level three, part of me is like, I just don't want to not have this. But what, um, so some differences. Um, amount of workload, I'd say twice as much. Expect twice as much work. Um, 
the difference is, is you're going deeper. Um, like we're going back and we're going deeper into the choreography techniques, whereas this year you're, you might, you're spending, you know, taking one look at the divine choreography and the choreography book. We have some repeated exercises that cause you to go deeper and really plan what would I do if I was leading a workshop or a conference. So um, there's also an, on a leadership level, the leadership studies cause you to grow spiritually. So those have been really great. And um, we have to create some of the kind of activations that Pastor Lynn does on a regular basis. We create those that she does in her workshops. So that has both, you know, it really causes me to think through the spiritual principle. And it also has just given me, like, this toolbox of now I have these activations to pull from if I'm teaching. So, um, yeah, I just, it's been very, very valuable, very important to me, both leadership, spiritually, and then um, on a dance level, too, because there's still, you haven't gone through all the DVDs yet. When you finish level one, you'll have done, I don't know, maybe two-thirds, I'm just guessing, half or two-thirds of the DVDs and books, and so then you have the chance to study those and finish those as well. So um, it's more work, but you are ready for it. You know, at the beginning, I felt a little overwhelmed, but now I feel like I've found a rhythm, and it it's doable. Um, so I hope that helps. Right. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, well, not this year, unfortunately, but the following year, um, we're going to implement um, a, a tiered, T-I-E-R-D-E-D, um, registration to where we basically want to encourage people to register earlier so that they can get with their AP earlier. We can do earlier AP assignments because it seems like the most difficult thing that people have is, um, well, actually, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm veering off because the most difficult th- problem that level one students have is learning all the um, intricacies of Facebook and Dance for Him Facebook and where the conferences are located and, and how to read and understand the assignments page and, and that kind of thing. So it, it takes, it takes m- the majority of people about, about two months to really kind of get the hang of everything. So I'm, I'm hoping that by 2017, of course it's too late for all of you, you guys will be you know, all graduated and on by then. But um, so I'm sorry, I, I kind of rabbit trailed, and that's not even on point. But I'm just where my heart is, is I'm trying to help people to be able to get it sooner so that they can really focus on the studies and not have to worry so much about all the intricacies of, well, where is that conference on Facebook? I don't see it, you know, that kind of thing. So um, anyway, um, let's go back. Mm, let me see, 53. Okay, maybe one more level two person. Um, Marcy, are you still on the line with us? Marcy? Uh, I'm not sure if she's still with us. I am or, not Yeah, hey, Marcy, what are you, um, how are you doing with level two? I know you're doing well, but um, what do you think, <laughs> what do you think about it? Well, I'm glad to hear that you think I'm doing well with Lesson 2. Um, I am. Uh, a good part of the time I am. My my major struggle was getting the time to get the homework done in Level 1 and not having enough confidence in myself to know that I could get through it. 
But once I got through level one, I knew God wouldn't let me not go through level two. I have my struggles with the extra reading. There is a couple of extra hours a week that you have to do. But I know that I know because I did the first level that the second level is already there waiting for me to reach out and touch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes and, it a whole lot easier because I know that I've already gone through the major stretching. Like I said last year, it's like I cried through half of them or more than half of them. And this year I've only cried through like two. Oh. <laughs> so we're doing really well. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's true. It's kind of like layers. Um, yeah, you know, you you in level one, you learn the ropes, as it were. You know, it's like okay, well, we have to do a web check, we have to do a Facebook check, we have to comment on Facebook, we have to do X Y Z, we have to write an essay, and this is how you write the essay, blah blah blah. And so you you get the hang of what's expected pretty much in level one. Usually most people get it, you know, after the first three or four months um, in level one. It's like, okay, this is the basic system. And then level two, since you've got all that, you still study some of the, like Amy said, the DVDs and books that you did not cover in level one, you'll do in level two, plus a few um, a few other research projects. Um, you know, there's the worship study book and then the leadership book. Um, and then there's, you know, a study of garments, a study of uh, prophetic dance, and a study of, um, what was the other thing? Flags. So, you know, they're all beneficial things that you study. But, um, and, you know, creative exercises and things like that. So it, it just goes a little deeper and a little deeper into the word. Um, and, yes, it will take more time. Um, but, you know, you know because you've already laid the foundations, you understand how to do things and you've got kind of your own system down. Um, and then it's just a question of, you know, adding a few new things onto what you already know how to do. So um, it's, you know, but from what I hear from all the level two students, uh, it's, it's very beneficial. Okay, it is time. Um, so we're going to... Uh, have another chat next week um, because we've still got a bunch of questions that we're, I don't know that we'll be able to catch up. The following week, I'm going to the retreat. Um, and then we should probably have another chat on the 26th. So it'll be next week, the 12th, and then on the 26th. I'm going to write that down here. Chat. Um, okay, I'll just chat. Um, so anyway, um, everything's going good. I, I can't believe that this is the third month of the second semester. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this school is going so fast. Um, don't forget to register early for graduation conference. Um, there, if you haven't looked at the information page, there's an extra early cutoff. Um, I mean, there is a final, final cutoff that is early for those of you who are getting your free garment and your free um, streamer for the streamer conference, which is the graduation conference. So um, be at least looking at that information, believing God that you're going to graduate. <laughs> so um, anyway, you guys are wonderful. I love you. Um, let's have uh, Akira, would you please close us in prayer? And I look forward to seeing you guys and talking with you next time.
Okay. Um, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for every dancer um, on this chat, every dancer that's in level one school and in level two, Lord, and uh, the leaders that are also in the school, Father. Continue to um, pour into us, Father. Continue to encourage us, Lord, as we um, are continuing our reaching our goal to complete our school, Father. Father, I ask that you give each one of us grace where we need grace, Father, and that we would just um, be kind and patient to ourselves. Father, I just thank you for Pastor Lynn and, and all her wisdom that she pours into us, Lord. Father, I just ask that you pour back into her. Father, I thank you that you're healing her of her illnesses, Lord, and that um, every day she will get better and she will get stronger. So, Lord, I just lift all of us up, Father, and um, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this dance school. And um, I thank you for holding on to us um, while we're finishing up our second semester. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank, you. thank you. Bless you all. Thank you for joining us.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.